Welcome to this inspiring message brought to you by Kingsword Media Outreach, a part of Kingsword Ministries International. We hope this teaching inspires you and transforms you into all that God has destined you to be. Please stay tuned for more information about Kingsword Ministries International following this message. May God bless you as you listen. Hallelujah. Turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Colossians 3 and 16. Hallelujah. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. The key part of that scripture is let the message about Christ fill your heart. God began to talk to me about a new and a living way, seeing Jesus in all his glory, seeing him in all his power, seeing him in all his splendor, recognizing who he is. So last week we began to look at what is that new and living way. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, seeing that we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip of every way that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily strips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And how do we do that? It says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So how do we do that? The Bible says that we keep our eyes on Jesus. Seeing that we are surrounded by so much a great witness, a crowd of witness. We are stripping off everything that, that weighs us down and we are running that race with endurance. And we do that by our eyes on Jesus. That we run that race by keeping our eyes. Last week we looked at how it's possible for us to keep our eyes and our gaze on Jesus. So we laid a foundation on looking unto Jesus, establishing the fact that in Christ Jesus consists everything. We looked at the fact that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and what the law could not do, Christ did it. We are tempted to look at the fact that Christ is a constant in both the New and the Old Testament. And we, and we discussed, I'm just giving you a preamble of what we talked about. We discussed that um, what is common between the Old Testament and the New Testament is that there is a testament. Whether it is old or whether it is new is irrelevant. But the fact remains that there is a testament. So, and that the constant thing is that there is a testament. And we, 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 we concluded that Jesus is the constant in the old and the new. And that in the Old Testament, he was there, but concealed. In the New Testament, he is there, revealed. So that you and I come to understand that there is no difference between the old and the new. It is only the people who were around that is the difference. It is you and I that is new to the equation. The testament remains the same, which is Jesus. 
if you look beyond the letter, you will see the spirit behind it and then you will see that Jesus is the one that is constant. He's been there from the beginning and he's there now. So how, we, how they related at the time was dependent on who was revealed at the time. How we relate now depends on who is revealed now. So Jesus is the constant. Whether they were killing rams to sacrifice and put the blood for their sins, Jesus is the constant. Whether we no longer kill rams now and we look to Jesus, Jesus is the constant. And the Bible says that he is a type and shadow. So the things that they were doing then, while they were not wronging themselves, but they were a shadow of the things to come. And the Bible told us that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. It means that from the beginning, God determined that we should come to Christ. So everything that was happening in the old covenant was to bring us to Christ. So Christ is the perfection. Christ is the end of the law. That's what the Bible says. And that we looked at the fact that he didn't come to do away with the law, but he came to fulfill it. So in a way, we are still under the law, but grace is working through us. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Because God is not capable of afterthought. He cannot rethink an idea. In the beginning when he gave the law, he gave the law. But you and I could not fulfill the law. So God did not say, okay, now I'm going to scrap the law and put some. No, he said that law must be fulfilled. But because you and I cannot fulfill it, Jesus came and fulfilled it on our behalf. So in a way, we are still in a testament called Jesus. So today, we'll attempt to go deeper. And see what that new and living way is. In preparing, I told us in the Elevate service, I'd, I'd, I'd mapped out something to talk about. And God told me, he said, I need to talk about two things this morning. His body and his blood. His body and his blood. All tied into the new and living way. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. From verse 19. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters... Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain. That is his body. He said we have the confidence now to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. In the old covenant, when the priest would go into the, um, the tabernacle. He goes into the holiest of holies once a year. And when he goes in, they tie a rope around him. So that when he's in, they're not allowed to go in there. They tug the rope and then he tugs back. Shows that, oh boy, I still, I still alive for another day. Because the place is so holy. They talk again. He talks back. If they talk, he doesn't talk back. Ah, the guy is dead. They pull him out. Because they can't go in. But hear what the Bible says. It says, brothers and sisters, we now have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way open to us through the curtain. That is his body. So Jesus' death, his 
blood been shed and his death has given you and I access into that holy place. So there is a new and living way to do things that God is expecting us to walk through. Jesus said in John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, I am a way. He didn't say, I am a truth. He says, I am the way. There is no other way but me. There is no other way. He said that um, he that must come to God must believe in Jesus and come through Jesus to God. So I told us some time ago that God is not angry with the world anymore. He's not, he's not, he's not angry with the world. He's not angry with anybody, whether you are saved or not. He's not angry with you. And then I told you that sin is not the thing that takes people to hell. It is the fact that you've not accepted Jesus. Because the Bible says he died for the whole world. If he died for the whole world, and then you have not come to accept that death, that is the thing that takes you away from his presence. Not the sin itself. Sin has no power over you. We look at that. How that God has given us through Jesus Christ that we should no longer be a slave of sin. So we should realize that we've been set free. We've been set free. So Jesus is coming. Has come to give you and I access to that holy of holies. Through his blood. And his body to give us access there so that we no longer live under condemnation again. Glory to God. Second Corinthians 4 from verse 6. It said, For God who said, Let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts. So we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. You, need, you know, you need to realize and come to terms with the fact that the life that God has called us to live is not our life. He has called us to live his life, his own life. He, he, when we died, the Bible says, we died with him. When he was buried, we, we were buried with him. When he rose, we rose with him. Question, when Jesus died physically on earth, none of us were here. Mr. Charles, were you here? I would have started asking questions. None of us were here. But the Bible says, when he died, we died with him. How can you die with somebody having not been born? How? You died with somebody having not been born. Now, let me shock you. You died with somebody having not been saved. You've not even, not, you've, not, you've not been born yet, but then you've not even accepted Christ. But the Bible says that when he died, we died with him. So question is, who are the people that died with him? Because you all came after. And then somewhere along the line, you got saved. You all came after. So when you read your Bible, ask questions like that. Let the Holy Spirit engage you in discussions. 
That's how I talk to him. That's how I ask him. Because I want to know. I can't just take anything anybody tells me and say, oh, that's it. No, I have to ask questions. How, how is it possible that I died with him having not been born one? Then I died with him having not even been saved yet. Because I came to even understand the scripture after a while of being saved. So this is it. The man that is born into the earth. I know there is this teaching that goes around some time ago. It's been going around that um, people don't need to get saved again. God has died for it. Jesus has died for everybody. You don't need to be born again. Jesus has died for you. True, Jesus has died for you. But listen. The death of Jesus, the Bible says that um, um, the grace of God that brings salvation has done what? Has appeared to all men. Let me tell you where the balance is. It has appeared to all of us. Teaching us. Denying ungodliness. Do this and do that. The grace has appeared to But not all men have received the grace. Not all men have received it. While the grace, that's why it will be shocking to God that people will go to hell. Because it doesn't make sense. You don't need to do anything. All you need to do is to receive what has been given to you. That's all. To receive it. And that's all he's asking. In 2 Corinthians 5, he said he has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. To reconcile men to God. And to say to them, be reconciled to God. He's no longer angry with you. Receive what has been given to you. So when we do not receive that, what happens is that we put ourselves under bondage again. And that's where the Bible says that we're waiting for Christ to die on the cross again. He cannot die on the cross again. He said there's no more sacrifice of sin that's remaining. There's no more sacrifice of sin. You cannot take Christ back to the cross again. He died once and for all. That's what the Bible said in Hebrews. He died once and for all. Once and for all. Never again to die. That's how potent his blood is. Blotting out our sins completely throughout eternity. The one you know of, the one you don't know of, throughout eternity. You and I have come to a place of rest to receive from him. Paul said that the life that I live is no longer, it's no longer my life. Don't you get it? It's not my life. He said, the life I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. The faith of the Son of God. There's, 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 there's the Spirit of God inside of you. So when you receive Jesus, that Spirit comes on you and you no longer live your own life. He empowers you to live that life. He empowers you to live that life. It says in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we now have this light shining in our heart, but we ourselves are like fragile clay of jars. Can't you see? The light is shining in us, but we ourselves are like fragile clay of, of jar. Containing this great treasure, this makes it clear that our great Power is from God, not ourselves. So, when you now receive it, what happens is that the power of God begins to walk in you and on you. On the, other, the other time I told us that you don't, don't expect perfection from any human being at all. Perfection is in heaven. 
and with Jesus. But with every human, forget it. Don't expect perfection. There's perfection for me. But what happens when we receive that life? Every day we draw from that life. His life becomes our life. That's why Paul said, I am crucified with him. I've died with him. I've been buried with him. Now I've risen with him. So I understand the new and living way. So through the blood of Jesus, our confidence has been restored. God wanted us in his presence from day one. From day one. He wants us in his presence from the very first day. From the very, let's look at um, Genesis chapter 3. From the very first day, he wants us in his presence. From the very first day. When he created us, he wants us in his presence. Genesis chapter 3 from verse 1. said the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say to you, you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing but good and evil. Question, how were they like before? How were they like before? How? He said if you eat it, you'll be like God. But how were they like before? How? Verse 4. Sorry, verse, verse, um, verse 6. The woman convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame of their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Question, what were they wearing before they found out they were naked? What were they wearing? What were they wearing before they found out they were naked? They weren't wearing anything. They were naked. They only realized that they were naked. Why? Why? Because the glory that was supposed to be the covering was taken away. So they came to a consciousness of what already existed, which was sin. So they came to that consciousness. And the Bible told us in Hebrews that God, Jesus came so that we will no longer have the consciousness of sin. I'll show you that in Hebrews. So when you don't have the consciousness of sin, sin ceases to have power over you. It loses its grip over you. You are not powerless when it comes to that. You, I, 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 I'm, I'm looking for the right word to put it. I told us the other day that God doesn't look down and says, Ah, oh, it's sin. Oh. No, 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 no. The Bible says his eyes cannot behold iniquity. So what happens is that the blood of Jesus, as potent as it is, it blankets the entire earth. 
So when God looks down, he sees that blood. He sees the blood. So the blood is like a waterfall, continually flowing. So what you and I need to do is to get under the blood. And stay there. We don't just take a bath and come out. No, we stay there. It's like a waterfall, continually. Continually. That's how potent the blood of Jesus is. That's how potent it is. So if you tell someone that, hey, why are you standing by the waterfall and not going under the waterfall? Now, if the person doesn't go under the waterfall, is it the waterfall's fault that the person is not? Talk to me. Is it the waterfall's fault? No. Whose fault is it? The person. That's what Jesus is asking you and I to do. Receive what I have given to you. So take that step, get under the waterfall and stay there. And stay there. That's how potent the blood of Jesus is. So they sold fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breeze were blowing, the man and his wives heard the Lord walking, Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord, from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to man, where are you? Where are you? Question again. Does God not know where he is? Do you understand me? So when God asks questions like that, it's not because he doesn't know. Imagine God coming here now and I'm hiding in the toilet and God says, ah, angel, I'm looking for Joelu. Where is he? I don't know where he is. Is he really? How? Me too, I'll come out and say, God, how, 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 how? So God came and was asking, where are you? Where are you? And then he replied in verse 10, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Question, you were naked from the time I created you. How come now you are now afraid because I have come? Because where darkness is, light cannot stay. So right now, Jesus, God has come in his glory and they have been in darkness so they cannot relate. So fear sets in. Fear sets in. Fear sets in already. So they cannot relate. That's why God can't find them. So when God is asking you in your heart, where are you? My son, my daughter, where are you? It's not because you are somewhere else, but it's just because you are not in the same space where he is. That glory is no longer there. That glory is no longer there. And where God is, is full of glory. So he's looking for you. He's not looking for you physically. He's looking for you spiritually. Because in the spiritual space, you're not there. You're not there. So he's looking for you. And then he asks, who told you that you were naked? How did you know that you were naked? How did you become conscious? Are you getting me? Because they were naked from day one. So how did you become conscious? So that becoming consciousness of that nakedness is what Jesus came to take away from you and I. I'll show you that in Hebrews. To take it away completely. That we are no longer conscious of it. When we are not conscious of it anymore, it cannot rule us. It cannot have any power over us anymore. So that consciousness is what Jesus came to take away by his blood and his body. And he asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? This is where the problem now started. Ha. It's the woman who, 
Who is the woman? The wife you gave me. Ha, ah, that woman. Forget she's a queer woman. Ha, ah, cha 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 cha. Is the woman no? Huh? Is the woman? Is the woman? Ah, that queer woman that you married for me. You did not allow me to choose by, by myself. You married her and brought her to me. You paid the dowry, everything. That equally woman. Oh boy. God. It's your fault. Oh. It's your fault. Okay. The Lord asked the woman. Woman, what have you done? Say, ah, it's the serpent. Oh. It's the serpent. It's the serpent. God went to serpent. Serpent, how far? And then the whole story began. The whole story began. The whole story began. So they became conscious of what already existed. They tried to fix the situation themselves. Why? By sowing fig leaves. They tried. You cannot fix yourself. Don't you get it? You can't. All your ten to do's. I will stop. I will not. New Year resolution. This is the last time. You cannot fix yourself. Ask Adam and Eve. They tried it. Fix leaves. They couldn't fix themselves. That's what Jesus came to do. To fix us. And to fix us once and for all. But guess what? The same way they tried to sow fig leaves to, fit, to fix themselves up. God came. He's, he, the Bible says he took the skin of an animal and clothed them. Was it not the same covering that they took covered? How come the, God decided to do the covering? Are you not getting it? That there's no how you can cover yourself unless God covers you. There's no how you can save yourself unless God saves you. And even if you do the same thing and it's not done by God, it doesn't amount to anything. That it has to come from God? Come on. And the Bible tells us the shadow of what's to come. That is Jesus. He's saying that, look, you can't clothe yourself. I have to slaughter a lamb called Jesus and clothe you with his body and his blood. But they were still naked. But that are no longer conscious because God is the one that clothed them. Come on. God is the one that clothed them. Verse 20 says, the Lord God made himself a cloth and covered them. And covered them. Yes, they messed up, but he covered them. That was his plan from day one. That was his plan. That was his plan to cover us up. Hebrews chapter 10. Is someone being blessed? Hebrews chapter 10. From verse 1. It says, The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come. Somebody say, I'm in a good place. Say it out loud, I'm in a good place. Not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. No matter how many fig leaves Adam and Eve put together to cover themselves, 
it could not do nothing. Verse 2. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshippers would have been purified once for all time and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. Somebody read to me the King James Version of that. Let me just put it quickly. Yeah, for verse 2. King James. For then will they not have ceased to be offered. For the worshippers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sin. No more. He said, if what they were doing was able to save them, then from that moment on, they would not have had a consciousness of sin. But it could not. Which means that where God was going is that you and I should come to a place in Christ Jesus where we do not have a consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, verse 3, there is a reminder of sins every year. So they go in this year and they offer the sacrifice of sins. And the Bible says there is a reminder. Next year they come again, they remember. The next year they come again, they remember. But Jesus came once and died. And the Bible says that death, that he died before you and I were born, is enough till we die. Such that we will not remember again. If God does not want us to remember, you think God remembers? Say, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. I told you that that's the will of God from day one. That's the plan of God from day one. Jesus is just the fulfillment of the law. The law was not... He said, I didn't come to do away with the law, but I came to fulfill it. I came to do what the law could not do for you, so that in my dying, you take my place. So I fulfilled the law. We could not fulfill the law and we cannot fulfill the law. So since Jesus has fulfilled that law for us, grace has come, fulfilled that law, so we step into the shoes of grace. We step into the shoes of grace. We step into the shoes of grace. Verse 10. It says, by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the blood of Jesus Christ once for all. 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 That has happened once for all. Galatians chapter 3 from verse 5. It says, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and walk miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. Does God
God give you the Holy Spirit because you obey the law? No. It is because you believe the message we are saying about Christ. Why do we call it good news? Because it is too good to be true. That's why it is good news. It is too good to be true. Sometimes when I preach like this, some people will think that, oh, pastor is saying we should just go on a free for all sinning spree. No. You, what you don't realize is that when you come under grace, you lose that consciousness. You lose that. It doesn't have the, it doesn't have power over you anymore. You are not intoxicated. I don't know. I don't know how to. God help me. Let's go on. Philippians three eight. It says yes. Philippians three eight. Yes. Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I have discarded everything else. Do you know where the problem is? The problem is when we don't recognize Christ in our equation. If you look at Paul's teaching and all through scripture, anytime he talks about his enablement to walk in certain realms, he talks about Christ enabling him. He talks about the power of Jesus Christ coming upon him to help him do the things. To help him do these things. He said, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. So I'm trading my life for his life. I'm trading my experiences for his experience. I am dis- I'm not just discarding. Okay, I want to stop. I want to stop this. I want to stop that. I want to stop that. And it ends there. No. What are you trading it for? You have to trade it for the life of Christ. If you don't trade it for the life of Christ, you go back to it. You go back to it. You have to trade it for the life of Christ. That's what Paul was saying. So that I may gain Christ. I'm not just pushing away all these things. But I'm pushing it away so that something can come in. So that something can come in. It is also possible that we just need one man. Jesus Christ. We just need one man. Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that because of Christ, we are now abound to grace. Because of Christ. In verse 17, it says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive, can you say that again? Receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus. It has to be through him. You can't do it of yourself. It has to be through him. So when you reign in life, you reign through him, not by yourself, not of yourself. So death reigned because of Adam. Now life reigns because of Christ. And the Bible says we are no longer after the similitude of the last of the first Adam. We are now after the image of the last Adam, which is Jesus Christ. Which is Jesus Christ. And verse 19 says, For us by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. I was not there when Adam and Eve decided to eat the fruit. Like they say, What's my own? I was not there. But they said, One man's disobedience cost many of us. But then again, another one man's obedience made all of us into light. What, what should we do? Receive. Receive, 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 receive. Those who receive 
abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness are the ones who reign in life. That's all he's asking us to do. That's the new and living way. That is the way to God. Jesus and Jesus only. Nothing, nothing, nothing else. I tell you all the time that what, what enables me to function and work is that I realize that I am nothing of myself. Everything I stretch my faith for, I reach out my faith for, is realizing that I am nothing of myself and that Christ is everything and that without him I can do nothing. So I recklessly abandon myself before his presence. I cannot love unless he empowers me to love. I cannot obey unless he empowers me to obey. I cannot give unless he empowers me to give. Everything comes within Christ. So let every other name fade away till there's only Jesus Christ. Rise to your feet. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Ministries International. For information about Kingsword Ministries, visit us at kingsword.org for information and additional resources. Thank you for listening to this message. And remember, where the word of a king is, there's power.